Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Um, good morning. Um, before we, we begin, I would like to share something, if that's okay. It is okay. We would love it. I wanted to, you know, come up here and read for the quite quite some time. I always put it in the back of my mind. This wasn't ready yet until after I got up to to read at the Good Friday service. I decided uh, this is time I'm ready to do this. So I told asked Marcus if I could get up here and read sometimes. And, yeah, that'd be great. He said. He went on to tell Drew. So when Drew t- asked me if I wanted to read today. I said, sure, I was looking forward to it. Of course, as the time got closer, <laughs> I was a little anxious, <laughs> but I kept replaying in my mind my favorite scripture, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything and everything with prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and God's peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 And as I was going over this scripture that we're, we're about to read, and thinking of the other ones about knowledge, I just I got to thinking, after you make your requests known to God, just sit still a little while and just let his peace that surpasses all understanding fill you and just listen to his words his words of, of knowledge to help you get through anything just let him just listen to what he has to say because Amen. Amen. God is good all the time and all the time God is good you know, after all that, my voice has to be. Today's verse is Proverbs 2, 1 through 2, 4 through 11, and we'll say it all together. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and you look for it as for silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, from knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. <laughs> you know what? I'm a huge sports fan, Christine. And when my favorite team scores a point, I get really excited. <laughs> And you just scored a point. That was so cool. Thank you, Jesus, for Christine. 
That is awesome. Thank you, Christine. So cool to hear her story of uh, how God used her faithfulness, Christine's obedience to memorizing scripture. See, that, that is an obedient thing. It's, it's commanded to hide God's word in your heart so that you will not sin against God. And when Christine hid his word in her heart and she was like, I don't know if I can go do this. I'm not sure if I can go do this. The scripture that was on her heart came through and gave her courage, which is incredible, right? In the Old Testament, they would write the scripture on the doorpost of their houses. So that way, every time they left and they went, they would touch the doorpost to remember the truth and the promises of God. We are to write them on our heart so that we remember, you know, Romans 12 says to renew your mind every day on the truth of God so that you might be able to distinguish what to do, that understanding piece, way to go. I absolutely love this church, by the way. One, I love the bravery of Christine getting up here and reading. The other, I love when you threw bottles. So I decided I can't let her one-up me, so I'm going to throw these Bibles. No. But I... I really want to bring attention to this. This is really, really cool. Now, we're parents in here. We're talking about uh, Mother's Day. Some of us are parents. Some of us aren't. But if you were a parent and you had to pick one, you could only pick one of these, would you like a guarantee that your kid grows up to be a professional athlete? Professional. Guarantee you. Professional athlete. Would you like a guarantee that you could, your kid would grow up to be a professional musician? professional musician would you like to pick one that your child grows up to be an incredible successful business person making millions and millions and millions would you have one to pick to pick that your kid grows up to be a very very influential physician a doctor someone that even changes something that gives them global attention right would you also pick so another one would you pick that your kid would grow up to have incredible health a long life of good health? Or would you pick to have your kid grow up to love the Lord God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind? If you could only pick one, what would you pick? Well, all of us go, well, I would really like my kid to grow up to love the Lord God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. And this is just as aimed at me. This is not aimed at any of you. This is just aimed at me. If that's our true mission, if that's our true goal, if that's our true desire, what kind of effort, what kind of energy, what kind of amount of expense, what kind of time are we giving to our children to love the Lord God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind? In my household, we give a lot towards our kids being a professional athlete, right? In our household, we give a lot to that. Maybe you give a lot to your kid growing up to be an incredible, successful, financially stable business person. Maybe you give a lot to making sure that your kid grows up to be an incredibly healthy individual. Now, the way that life works, we know that you don't have to just pick one. You can have, there's nothing wrong with being a professional athlete. There's nothing wrong with being a great, successful business person. There's nothing wrong with being an influential physician. But what must be root, what must be at the beginning, is for us and our children to love the Lord God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that is the mission of Loon Mountain Ministry. 
We hope and pray that if you're hanging out here on Sunday morning, that it wouldn't be the only thing that you do. That you go home and you're inspired to get into God's Word on your own. Remember we talked about the whole farmer's market idea? Our prayer as pastors here, myself and Nathan and Drew, we do not want to, nor can we, manipulate fruit. We are not fruit manipulators. <laughs> Meaning, you must have more joy. You must have more peace. You must have more, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. Love. You must have more long-suffering. We're just going to, sh- you know, jam into you. We are called to be fruit managers. That the fruit of the Spirit that's working in your life comes to this farmer's market. And we're like, well, that's pretty cool. Christine, how about you get up front and read? Share your fruit. Amen. Thank you for sharing your fruit. And fruit only comes when you are connected to the vine. So, so our job is to motivate, inspire, teach, preach the intimacy with the vine, the intimacy with Jesus, that personal relationship with Jesus. That's why we do Sunday morning. That's why we do small groups. That's why we do youth group. That's why we do outdoor experiential worship services on top of Loon. That everything that we do would encourage, would teach, would inspire, would motivate intimacy with Jesus, relationship with Jesus that comes through confession with the mouth and the belief in the heart that comes through a surrender, a posture of surrendering, that victory, like Drew said, is in surrendering. And so in that vein, we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Like I said, if you had to pick one of those, professional athlete, professional musician, business person, physician, a doctor, incredible Ivy League school, a doctorate in, in, in physics or astro, you know, chemistry, you know, to, to be able to be really smart or be really healthy, you know, which one would you pick? Our prayers that we would pick that our kid would love the Lord God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. Remember I told you that that professor that gave me a really hard time and really not great grades left me with this, love God and do what you want. Just don't mess up the order. I was like, I paid $100,000 and went to school for that? All right, wish you would have told me that in the beginning and I could have met met Heidi, got married, and just give me a degree. I wish my degree just said, love God, do what you want, just don't mess up the order. That would have been a lot easier. But I needed to learn valuable lessons. I needed to learn to do what I didn't want to do. I needed to learn to manage my time, to put together, you know, papers and put together things. I needed to learn how to work with professors I didn't agree with or wasn't, I didn't feel treated me very nicely. Or I needed to learn to work with other people. And I needed to learn to get up early and stay up late. And I needed to learn to be on time. And I needed to learn to wear something other than sweatpants to class. That's what I was wearing when Heidi first met me. <laughs> uh, we'll tell you that story later. Wow. I know. That was a weak moment, Heidi. I'm sorry. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 2. We are in the book of wisdom. We're in the book of wisdom. We've said it a lot of times. Because Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us wisdom. That we know that the fear of the Lord comes through understanding. And the understanding comes through the word. And the word comes from the knowledge of God. It is very clear, right, that the knowledge of God became flesh and dwelt among us. It was called the Word. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. That Word is called Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. Meaning Jesus was not only the knowledge of God, but Jesus was the personhood of God. Came to earth and put on flesh. 
This is the word, right? So, you know, Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we, this is why the Bible is all connected, right? We're in Proverbs, but I just quoted, you know, Hebrews. I just quoted John, you know, all of these things are connected and the word is God. And what's so beautiful about the word being God is that the word actually has a personality that you can have a relationship with, right? You can actually have a, a relationship with the word. So here we are in the book of wisdom. It's in the Old Testament. Remember I told you, Proverbs are a lot like Free for the Taking in the Uncle Henry. Right? That's that Swap and Sell Trade magazine up in Maine. And what's cool is I went and spoke at a men's conference in Maine Thursday through yesterday. And I took Dan Whitney with me. And what's funny is we went to a convenience store to get some ham hoagies. And we were sitting there. He goes, oh, the Uncle Henry. And he picked it up. He goes, oh, Free for the taking, he says to the cash register. This is like Proverbs, the cash register lady. It was awesome. Like, Dan, she has no clue what you're talking about. Just give us our ham hoagies and we'll be going. You know, when he was listening, free for the taking is what you should open to first. I would, I would highly um, encourage you. I would highly, no matter where you are at in your faith, right? To speak about Dan Whitney, Dan Whitney and I got some really good time together. That's what I love about Dan Whitney. He goes, man, I can never hang out with my pastor. He's like, I said, well, come on this men's retreat with me, and you'll get three days of Marcus. And uh, one of the beautiful things he says, he was sharing his testimony, and he's been in this church a while, but he really gave his life to Christ this January. And um, he was so funny. One time we're hanging out, he goes, well, I'm six months old as a believer. What are you going to do with me when I'm a year old? You know, and I love Dan, you know, for that. No matter where you're at in your faith, whether it's six months into putting your faith, hope, and love in Jesus Christ, or you've done it for 40, 50 years, a proverb a day is totally the good. You need that. You need that wherever you're at in your faith. So what we're going to do, Drew and I, Nathan, talked about this, is we're going to cover a proverb a Sunday, right? When I mean a proverb, a chapter of Proverbs. Nathan made the great point. He's like, how can we do that? There's like multiple sermons in each chapter of Proverbs. That's true. That's true. Uh, but we don't want to end the book of wisdom when we're old. <laughs> we, want, we just don't want to end it. So we're going to look to shoot to end our wisdom series, which is pretty crazy to think because I'm pretty sure... Correct me if I'm wrong, Drew, because sometimes I get wrong with my dates. I think we started the Wisdom Series before the pandemic. It wasn't long before, but it was like right before the pandemic, right? That's pretty crazy to think. So we're going to wrap this up this year, this calendar year. So that, that's pretty cool. I love it. I mean, like I told this story before. When I first got here, I was like, how in the world am I going to preach 52 Sundays? 52 sermons. I'm going to run out of material. Absolutely wrong. Was I ever wrong? I just started on the Sermon on the Mount. Remember that? Because that made a lot of sense. I'm like, we'll start on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm preaching on a mountain. We'll start there. And two years later, we wrapped up the Sermon on the Mount. You guys remember that? We are in the Sermon on the Mount forever. And, uh, but here we are. And we've done the Books of Wisdom, which is really, really cool. Um, okay, so... You wrote right here, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. It says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So who's the me and or the my, my words, you know, my son, and who's the you, your ear, um, you know, your if you apply to your heart, you know, who 
is the me, my and me, and who is the you and your. That is, King Solomon is writing this. So he is the my son, and he is the my words. These are Solomon's words. Remember, Solomon was the king of David. Uh, Tim did such a great job giving you the history. But a quick snippet, if you haven't known Ben back with that sermon series, which you should, right? Um, sometimes we have to cover ground. I can't go back and catch you guys up. But Solomon is the uh, son of King David. Solomon was granted wisdom from God to be the king. Literally had a conversation with God. God, like a genie, said, what would you like? Solomon could have wished for, you know, health forever. He could have wished, you know, for treasure evermore. He could have wished for whatever he wanted. And he wished for wisdom. God gave him wisdom. And uh, so this is Solomon. Now, this is Solomon writing to his son, Rehoboam. So the you, like your ear, your heart, you know, store, store my commandments within you. The you is Rehoboam. I don't know how to spell that. Um, it's R and a boem. And an H in there somewhere. Um, uh, Rehoboam. And uh, so this is his son, Rehoboam. And so essentially, uh, Saul was the first king of Israel. Okay? And then came David. And then came Solomon, and now Rehoboam, okay? And so that's like, it's, it's, it's just the beginning of a nation. So you can think about it in the United States, you're right? Like Saul would have been equivalent to like George Washington, you know? And then I'm not the greatest at, you know, you know um, history, but then some like, some, some John Adams and stuff like Jefferson and those kind of guys after him. Um, I just know it from the money that we have. Um, but um, so here is Rehoboam, and Solomon is writing. Remember, I told you Solomon wrote three books. He wrote Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Proverbs, right? Um, and um, Song of Solomon was young love. He must have wrote that when he was like twenty-one. He just fallen in love, right? Love is blind. Heidi and I met when I had sweatpants on. Obviously, love is blind. Okay. Then uh, he wrote uh, Proverbs, right? When he was like that young, um, well, he was a young middle-aged man who was sending off his son to college. He was actually giving his son the throne. He was going off to be the king. And uh, and then Ecclesiastes, he wrote it as a skeptical uh, older gentleman. Ah, you know. Um, the glass was half empty at that time. And uh, so if you'd like to little know a bit more, you should go in and read those. Book of Ecclesiastes is pretty cool. So here we are, chapter 2, and he's writing this to Rehoboam. Now, I said in the beginning, and it could feel a little bit like guilt-driven or a little bit shame-driven. I don't want to do that on like, you know, shame on you for spending so much time for your kids' sports or shame on you for spending so much time in your kids' schooling. Or shame on you for spending so much time on your kids' music. Or whatever it is. We all fall into temptation of that. Um, we, and, you know, and I don't mean for it to shame you. okay? Because we know as parents, you can do all that you possibly feel is right. And do the best possible job you can. And your children are still human. And they, are, they can make their own choices. And as they get to be that 18, you know, I love, um, someone said one time that children are a lot like an FM radio station. At about 13, 14, 15, it starts kind of going staticky. At about 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, it's just pure static. Shh, no response, nothing's transmitting back and forth. Then about 19, 20, 21, 22, it starts coming back in again. And by 23, 24, 25, it's crystal clear. Guys, like, oh, hey, welcome back. Good to have a conversation with you. 
I love how all the parents right now are like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And we've actually lived that life, too, because all of us have been 14, 15. It's, it's, it's pretty true, isn't it? Um, so we, we know as parents we can do the best we possibly can. And we also, you know, um, Donald Miller is a great um, author. I really enjoy reading Donald Miller. And uh, he was getting married, and he was later on in his life, he was getting married in his 40s, and they were about ready to have a kid. It was, like, freaking him out. But a lot of his friends had already had children, and their children had all grown because they were almost 50 years old. And so he's like, you know what? I've got all these friends that have 20-year-old kids. I'm going to go ask them how it's done. And he got really technical on his study. And what he did was, and I, I bet it was probably a little awkward to have him as a friend because he was really asking some pretty hard questions. He was looking at people who had 21, 22, 20-year-old kids that have just completely abandoned the rails of faith and had gone off. And not necessarily that they were horrible people or anything, but they just abandoned faith and they were all doing their own thing. And it was kind of tension between their household, whatever. And, and then he also looked at kids uh, that had chosen, you know, a path of faith for their own and made faith theirs and gone on. And he was like, I want to know what is one of the main differences? And you know what? It wasn't necessarily how much they went to church. It wasn't also how many times they read the Bible in their house or how much they, you know, jammed God's word down their throat or whatever. You know what the difference he found? He found that the kids that had, were walking away from the faith had hypocritical parents, meaning they were never willing to share where they were wrong, where they went wrong, how wrong it was happening, whatever. And the kids that chose faith on their own, it's not, it's not, it's not all the time, but he found the majority of them had parents who were open and honest about their mistakes. Not only the current mistakes that they were making, like, I am so sorry I made that mistake, that was selfish, that was rude, or I lied, that's not cool. They were also honest about the mistakes they had made when they were 18 or 14 or 15 or 20, right? Isn't that quite pretty interesting? I find that pretty interesting. Well, Marcus, why are you going through all this? Because this is actually written from a parent to his son. And what I find very, very interesting, right, I'm going to read the account of Rehoboam. You guys just read that. Christine did an incredible job, right? If you listen to my words, if you follow my commandments, if you, if you hide these in your heart, the Lord will give you knowledge. The Lord will direct your steps. He will, he will make you successful. He will do all of these things, and wisdom will enter your heart and direction, right? He is saying all of this kid before, you know, saying this all to his kid before he released him into the world. Well, let's go find out. And uh, what did I do with my phone? And, uh, uh, First Kings chapter 12. Wait, way over here. Thank you, Zener. No, no, there's the ADD. I know. First Kings chapter 12. Let's go find out what Solomon's son did with all this great wisdom. I mean, his dad was the wisest man in the world, and his dad left him with this incredible book that we even read many thousands of years later. He had the greatest dad for wisdom. Let's find out what Rehoboam did with this wisdom. Here he goes. First, First Kings chapter 12. Rehoboam went to Shechem. For all Israel had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nabat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam, remember that's his son Rehoboam, and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and yoke um, upon us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back. So the people went away. King Rehoboam consulted the elders, consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. He said, how would you advise me to answer these people? He said, they replied, if today 
you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer. They will, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders because they did not have social media accounts. I mean, elders gave the elders gave him and consulted the young man who had grown the young men who had grown up with him and, and were serving him. He asked them, "Hey, yo, bro, what should I do? And, and, and what is your advice? You know, what should I answer them? Should I lighten the load um, that my father put on them?" The young man who had grown up with them replied. These people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make your yoke lighter. Tell them, my little finger is thicker than my dad's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. And three days later, Jeroboam gathered all the people, uh, Jeroboam and with all the people gathered around Rehoboam, the king said to him, you know, come back to me in three days. And the king and uh, answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice he had gotten from the older people. He followed the advice he had gotten from his friends and his peer group. My father made your yoke heavy, I'll make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I'll scourge you with serpents. So the king did not listen to the people, nor did he listen to the advice of the Lord. This turn, this turn of events was from the Lord. Rehoboam's dad was the wisest guy in the world. And just wrote, just said to him, Proverbs chapter 2. And literally, what did Rehoboam go and do? The complete opposite. You ever feel like that as a parent? I told my kid to do this, and they did the complete opposite. How do you think Jesus and God feels about us sometimes, right? So here is Rehoboam, and he does the absolute opposite of his father. But you know what's absolutely incredible? Sometimes we as evangelicals, right? Sometimes we as evangelicals, we read the Bible with rose-colored glasses. We need to take them off. These people were not perfect at all, okay? Rehoboam did exactly what his father did, Solomon. Remember I told you? Solomon came into the kingdom he listened to his mom, is what Tin said. He listened to his mom, he listened to his dad, and he listened to the prophet Nathan, right? He kept his mouth shut, he became king. Then God gave him wisdom, and the first thing he did was do the three things that Deuteronomy told kings not to do, right? David did the same thing. Remember when kings go off to war, David was lazy and stayed home, and he Googled girls bathing on the roof. Don't Google that. Okay, and then he had an affair and then committed murder all in one weekend. So this is the lineage that Rehoboam's coming from, okay? And Saul, if you want to look at King Saul, who's not related to David, King Saul, man, that was completely craziness, okay? He turned into a wild beast, right? He was so crazy and deranged. What I'm finding as I read this actually makes me really nervous. And if you know, if you're close to me this last fall, I actually kind of was the lowest mentally I've ever been. And one of the reasons why is I listened to a podcast called um, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And I, you probably heard me talking about it last fall. And The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill highlights a pastor in Seattle who had an incredible movement, who was a gifted, gifted, gifted speaker, who was a gifted author. Um, he was also gifted at plagiarism, too. Uh, but he was, you know, really into making a big, big ordeal of things. 
And it all came crashing and tumbling down because he did it all really. I mean, I'm sure he started with a good heart and great intention, but really it became exposed that he was really doing a lot of it just to serve his own ego and to serve his own desire to be in power and have, you know, power really is what it is. What I'm finding is that power is an incredibly, incredibly um, precarious place to be. And a place of power is a very, 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 very um, scary place to be. So before you judge somebody that's in power, whether it be your local town officials or it be your state governor or it be, you know, up to the president of the United States or whatever, before you just go on and start judging that person, you need to stop and pray for them. Because someone being in a place of power is a really quite creepy place to be. And it's a place of service. It should be a place of service. What I've seen in Scripture is that what did all of these kings share in common? They all shared, shared power in common. And what, what, what made them go wrong? What made Saul go wrong? What made David go wrong? What made Saul go wrong? And what made Rehoboam go wrong? Right? Is they began to tune out God. And they began to tune in their own desires and other people's desires. Let me say that again. What made these guys go wrong? They tuned out God's word. They tuned out God's wisdom, whether it be through a prophet, it be through actual God's voice itself, right? And then they tuned into their peers, or they tuned into the popular culture of that time, or they tuned into their own desires, let me really get on this, because this is not a sermon just for me, because I'm in a place of power, it should be, but it's also individually for you. Because each of us individually can begin to take the spiritual ear canal and clog it. Okay? What's the spiritual ear canal usually clogged by in my life? This thing right here. Right? My spiritual ear canal is typically clogged by this. It's also clogged by my own desires, my own personal desires. It's clogged by other people's opinions, right? And it's clogged by distractions, right? Whoever thought a hundred years ago, right, that we would listen to people with our thumb muscle, but we listen to people now with our thumb muscle, don't we? That, that is the hearing of us now. It's so weird. Whoever thought about that? But that's where we get a lot of our listening from now. That's where a lot of our influence comes from. It affects our mood. It affects our, it affects what we eat. It affects how we love. It affects how we sleep. Our thumb muscle affects so much. So much that someone would spend that kind of money to have access to your thumb muscle. Insane, right? Absolutely incredible. So these people all shared that in common. They, they, they had their spiritual ear canal clogged with their own personal desires. And as you saw in Rehoboam, who did he listen to? Did he listen to the wisdom of the elders that took, that took care and praying to God and looking at God's scripture to give the king wisdom? Did he listen to them? No, he listened to his friends' Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram accounts. He snapchatted his friends and was like, yo, what should I do, man? I'm going to become king. And they snapped back like, oh, man, take it to the people. Stick it to the man, dude. You are now in charge. Stick it to the man. And he looked at Snapchat, and he didn't open the word of God, and he didn't consult the elders in his church. Hey, young person, including me, 
If you're not talking to somebody who has been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, if you're not talking and being influenced by someone that's many chapters ahead of you, you are in danger. We need, and that's you, you got to do that. I'm going to encourage you elder people, seek out younger ones. They might throw up a little stink, but they might be like, eh, like I don't want to do that, right? But seek them out and say, hey, I'm here. I want to talk to you. You know what? You know what they'll always accept? You taking them out to eat. Not one kid will ever be like, nah, you can't take me to fill in the blank. You know, they won't, they will all accept ice cream. Anyone wants to mentor Nathan, just tell him you'll take him to ice cream. He'll be yours forever. And I might come with him, you know. So I'm, I'm talking to you two elders. I'm talking to you younger ones. But I'm talking to all of us. We need to learn from Rehoboam. He tuned out wisdom and he tuned out. Back to that FM radio station. I don't know how old he was during this time, but he tuned out his parents. He tuned out the wisdom of the elders, and he opened the ear canal of the physical, his own personal desires, and his friends. You know the other thing that led Rehoboam? Anxiety, worry, and fear. Because Rehoboam thought, man, if I don't show these people that I'm tough, they're going to walk all over me, which is not true. And what's sad is David really let his desires get him. Solomon really let his desires get him. Rehoboam really let his insecurities get him. See, the enemy doesn't care which side of the horse you fall off on, which emotion that guides your, your decision-making. The enemy doesn't care if it's anxiety, if it's worry, if it's depression, if it's pride, if it's anger, if it's you fill in the blank. And what happens is if we don't, and we don't struggle with something, let's just say I don't struggle with a different emotion and someone else does, I tend to judge them to make myself feel better by the, the emotion that I'm struggling with. Right? We do that. We do that. Well, at least I, I don't do that. At least I'm not like that. And I'm sure Rehoboam probably said, well, at least I'm not like my grandfather. I didn't sleep with somebody and then kill their husband the next day. I'm just, I'm just increasing taxes. We need to increase taxes. He probably had actual, uh, some, his buddies probably did some mathematical formulas and said, dude, you better increase taxes or you're not going to be able to fill in the blank. Right? What I find is crazy is if you keep reading in, 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 in 1, Corinthians, or 1 Kings chapter 12, God knew this was going to happen. God knew this was going to happen. And so, God knew this was going to happen. And so he had already met Jeroboam, who is not related to King David, and is not related to Solomon. He had already met, he had already met with Jeroboam and said, hey, yo, Jeroboam, by the way, Solomon's going to screw up, and Rehoboam's going to screw up. This is when Rehoboam was a little boy, right? Solomon's going to screw up, and Rehoboam's going to screw up. So I need you to take the 10 of the 12 tribes. And Jeroboam was like, are you kidding me, God? Solomon's still alive. And the prophet said, no, Jeroboam, you're going to take over. And Jeroboam's like, I don't want to hear this, dude. Because if you say this to me, and if you start spreading these rumors on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, if you tweet about this right now, prophet, I'm, Solomon's going to kill me. Because you as a prophet are saying that I'm going to be king. So Jeroboam was so afraid of it, what did he do? He fled to Egypt. And you start this story in 1 King, Kings chapter 12 with Jeroboam hearing that Solomon had died. And now Rehoboam's being promoted. So Jeroboam goes, well, I'll come back. But instead, he was humble. Instead of coming back and saying, I'm now going to take the ten tribes from you, Rehoboam, he actually went with the people and said, hey, what are you going to do, Rehoboam? 
And Rehoboam said, I'm going to increase taxes. I'm going to make the labor force really hard. And so God met Jeroboam outside the gate and said, Jeroboam, you are now going to take the ten tribes away from Rehoboam. And here's what I find really crazy. And Jeroboam said, yes, Lord. And, and the Lord said, if you follow my commandments and you obey me, I will bless you and I'll give you success. And what did Jeroboam turn around and do? If you read the story, Jeroboam, out of fear and worry, he saw the people going up to Jerusalem to worship. Well, who was ruling in Jerusalem? Rehoboam. He should have just let him freely come and go, but he doubted their loyalty. And Jeroboam was afraid. He goes, oh my goodness, they're going to go up to the house of God to worship in, in, in Jerusalem, and they will reject me as king, and they'll go back to Rehoboam, and then they'll kill me. So then what do he do? So, this people, guys, Romans chapter 1 says that when we leave the will of God, when we leave the obedience of God, the things we do absolutely makes no sense at all. That's what Romans chapter 1 says. When we leave the track of God's obedience. And this is how goofy Jeroboam was. And we look just as dumb when we leave the track of obedience. Jeroboam literally... Literally does this. He makes two golden cows. Puts them in Bethel. Not even Jerusalem. Stands up in front of all these people that should have known better. They know history. And these people follow him. That's how dumb they were. Bad, bad. They're just dumb. Jeroboam stands up and goes, All right, everybody. You don't have to go to Jerusalem anymore. See these two calves right here? You see these two golden cows? He goes, These are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. Bow to them. Bow. Bow. They brought you out of Egypt. <laughs> you just made them yesterday, Jeroboam. They're pieces of wood and metal. But what do the people do? Oh, great golden cow that Jeroboam just made yesterday that has no life and could just be taken down right now. You took us out of Egypt. We don't have to go to Jerusalem. Oh, we are dumb. We fall for dumb things, me included. If you haven't watched um, the social media dilemma, that's something that will help you, you know, understand that me and you included are victim to the algorithms of, of, of social media. And whatever you're kind of wanting, whatever conspiracy you're already starting to come up with in your head, you search a couple things and you just go down this rabbit tunnel, they call them echo chambers, and round, 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 you go. And next thing you know, I don't know, you got your tinfoil hat on. And we do it, me included. And next thing you know, you listen to Jeroboam, you're like, yeah, golden cow, you brought us out of Egypt. Right? Next thing you know, you're like, oh, if I give my money to this, it will make sure I'm saved. If I give my money to this, then I won't, I'll be protected from the end times. Like, whatever you want to go down. What's so funny is we think that this social media stuff and us echo chambers and, and conspiracies are all new. Nothing new about it. We might have new scroll devices. We might have new ways of getting it out to the people. But Jeroboam came up with a conspiracy. And he, he made people believe that two golden cows brought him out of Egypt. And they even had the book. They know the story. And they believed him. So all of this, I'm going to wrap all this up. With your and my heart, the Bible says, is evil and wicked. We are prone to believe things that aren't the truth. That's why Romans says we must renew our mind every day. 
That's why we need to open the book of Proverbs every day and read a chapter and say, Lord, by your power, by your will, by your presence in my life, would you renew my mind on wisdom? Because if you think about the amount that we watch Netflix, the amount that we watch Peacock or Hulu or, or Disney Plus or ESPN, or the amount that we read other things, or the amount that we listen to the radio or the podcast, or the amount that I listen to music, that is hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of stuff going into us. We need to be in God's Word. We need to renew our mind what is right. We need to be able to say what is true, what is noble, what is pleasant, what is pleasing to the Lord. We need to know these things. Or we too will end up like the Israelites, and we will believe that two golden pieces of wood brought us out of Egypt. We will believe that if we give our money to this preacher, then that we will be saved. Or we will believe if we, get, if we vote for this, this type of party, this, this political party, that it will save our country. This is not me saying don't vote. This is not me saying don't give money to preachers. But it's me saying be careful of where you're walking or where you're going or what you're listening to. And renew your mind on scriptures. Get yourself into Proverbs every day. Because you and me are just like Rehoboam. You and me are just like Jeroboam. You and me are just like Solomon. Solomon was the wisest guy in earth, so I'm actually not like him at all. Um, David, okay? We are human, and we are prone to wander. We are prone to stray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can learn from these people and the stories in the Old Testament that we can... Apply them to our lives. Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you help us? We, you know, we have so many access to so many voices. We have so much access to information. And though it's really cool and really helpful and useful, it's also really dangerous and destructive, God. We could just start listening to things and down and down and down we go, believing this thing that we're really passionate about. And a lot of times, God, it just creates divisiveness. It just splits our churches and it splits our town and it splits our states. Uh, God, we obviously know if things are splitting, if things are dividing, it sure seems, God, like the enemy is behind it. The Bible's really clear, God, that the enemy loves to divide. And the Bible's also really clear from Psalms 133 that it is good and pleasant when people dwell in unity. So fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to be able to call out those things. Thank you for these stories. We love you. We thank you for moms. Thank you for moms, God. They seem to be pretty good radar, pretty good antennas when we start going down these hills. Help, help us help down these traps, these paths. Help us to listen to our mothers because you fill them with wisdom, strength, and kindness. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.